Part four of A Soldier's Diary by Ralph Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part four. August thirteen. Went out after dusk with an infantry subaltern to try to get in touch with a post reported to be on the left of the Merryway post. We groped about without success and eventually saw about twenty figures moving about in one of the camps behind us. They were not more than thirty yards away, so we took them for men from the post we were in search of and did not challenge. Presently they began to move away down the hedge towards the German lines, and my companion remarked that they were going a long way forward, as a German post was known to exist at the corner. Almost immediately afterwards they began to run and disappeared into a trench about fifty yards away. Soon after this we found our own post, and they reported having no men out and having seen no one. There was only one possible conclusion. We had been in close touch with a strong German patrol, which had been moving about with the greatest audacity at least fifty yards behind our lines. Very unpleasant to think about. Then we took a few of the better men and went out on a hunt, but found nothing. It was impossible to wire because of very frequent lights and heavy machine-gun fire. On the right of the track we could find neither Huns nor our own people, and it appears that Brigade Headquarters don't really know anything about the situation at all. It is a mess. About 3 a.m. the Huns put down a heavy barrage, but did not come over. August 14. Had a night in bed, the third in six weeks heard that my infantry friend was killed just after I left by our own shrapnel bursting short. Hear also that I have been recommended for a DSO for the scrap the other night. This is the second time, and it is now some comfort to be definitely sure that they will never give it me. I would like to get something just for my father's sake, but for myself I should almost hate it. We were here to do a job, not to earn medals for the sake of being gushed over by silly, simpering women who could never understand. It is a hard creed and difficult to stand by at times. Vanity is very strong. The following shows roughly some of the main points in the Merryway fighting. August 15. Started to wire from the barricade towards the right in order to join up with Day, who was working from the other end got to our first post, but could get no farther, as there was a strong German post across our line. Day bumped into this from the other side and was driven off with two casualties. I was lying down listening when the Huns fired into Day and was surprised to find I was not ten yards away from them. They sent up a light, and I could see about ten of them, as plainly as daylight, all looking along their rifles. I dropped a bomb into them and departed, but if we had known they were there, we could have collared the whole lot. August 16. Was relieved at Merryway and spent the night wiring in the right sector, quite a rescuer. August 17. Wiring again in front of county camp, shelled off the job three times and had two casualties, so decided to work the wood instead, shelled again. August 18. Quiet night in the wood. Slowly and surely I am breaking up, and now I am so far gone that it is too much trouble to go sick. I am just carrying on like an automaton, mechanically putting wire and digging ditches, while I wait, wait, wait for something to happen. Relief, death, wounds, anything. 
anything in earth or hell to put an end to this but preferably death i am becoming hypnotized with the idea of nirvana sweet eternal nothingness my body crawls with lice my rags are saturated with blood and we all stink like the essence of putrefaction rotting for the third time and there are ladies at home who still call us heroes and talk of the glory of war christ if the lice were in their hair and the scabs were on their tongue and the rats were smiling there padding softly through the dung would they still adjust their pince-nez in the same old urban way in the gallery where the ladies go last night something went wrong in my head a machine-gun was turned on us and instead of ducking i remember standing up and being quite interested in watching the bullets kick sparks off the wire day pulled me down into a hole and has been watching me ever since if ever again i hear anyone say anything against a man for incapacitating himself in any way to get out of this i will kill that man not even almighty god can understand the effort required to force oneself back into the trenches at night i would shoot myself if it were not for the thought of my father oh god why don't you kill me to these from birth is belief forbidden from these till death is relief afar and the pity of it all is this that nobody will ever understand it is hell to be able to see these things but in two years i know it will all be forgotten it is over they will say we must forget it it was so terrible the world will go back into the old grooves without honor without heroism without ideals and these dear darling fellows of mine will be factory men once more even now hardy's sister is selling matches in uncoats and my sister would refer to her as that woman yet hardy and i have saved each other's lives and if i live they will say poor old beggar he isn't much use now he had rather a bad time in the war and they will pity me once a month when i am ill or worse of all if my vitality should come back to a certain extent i will appear quite normal and they will call me a slacker if i don't take part in games i who once captained one of the best rugby teams in the north perhaps they will even be so good as to make allowances for me and they will call me dull and morose and cynical and even priggish when i keep myself aloof from them and the ladies for whom i gave my strength and more will leave me for the healthy bouncing beggars who stayed at home even as nationally the neutrals get the good things now and there are thousands worse than i may we all die together in one final bloody holocaust and before the peace bells usher in the realization of our fears and then on howling winter evenings our spirits might ride the cloud rack over these blood-soaked hills shrieking and moaning with the wind to drown the music of their dancing so that they huddle together in terror the empty-headed women and the weak-kneed worn-out men as we laugh at their petty soulless lives within a week i shall be dead or mad august nineteen very hot today feeling feverish and weak what futile words august twenty division on our right attacked and captured objectives three lines in the daily mail tomorrow three hundred corpses grinning at the stars tonight 
in three years oblivion war august twenty one working on ferret farm on way up fritz got six shells bang into the middle of the parties in the sunken road one sapper and several poor bloody infantry hit and day badly damaged in the face with a stone the limber horses behaved wonderfully and one team didn't move an inch although a shell burst right under their tailboard very lucky not to have had lots more casualties on the track we were shelled again and had to pass through heavy gas in the region of the stream almost immediately after starting work Bosch put down a heavy barrage and we lay on our faces for three-quarters of an hour heavy shelling continued all night with a lot of machine-gun fire and gas was busy with casualties all night and feel like a corpse myself now august twenty two beastly hot day and was tortured to death in the evening by mosquitoes during this warm weather one usually knocks about in the daytime in one's shirt which becomes saturated with sweat and then dries off again in the cool of the evening the mosquitoes love the stink and after dusk they feed on us in millions there is no respite you grow tired of killing them and dawn finds you on the edge of insanity swollen like a long dead mule it is these things which constitute the horror of war death is nothing wrote a cheerful letter home saying that i'm very well and happy august twenty three was riding up last night through a strafe with day when a gas shell exploded just in front of our bicycles we jumped off at once but before we could get our bags on we swallowed rather a large dose didn't worry very much and carried on with the night's work august twenty four in the morning bust up completely and spent the day in bed pulled myself together and managed to get up the line again at night august twenty five Riding home this morning, we encountered a sudden whiz-bang strafe on the road, and Day took a small fragment clean through his handlebars, rained hard all night, and practically stopped work. August 26. Still raining heavily, and we noticed the first signs of the return of the mud era. Surely they must relieve us now, if there is a man to spare in France or England. Otherwise, I am afraid a week of heavy rain would clear the road to Calais for myself i am too far gone to pick the lice out of my shirt i have ceased to be a man even my simian ancestors used to remove their parasites august twenty seven still raining hard but news comes through that we are going to be relieved as i am the only officer that really knows the forward work i am to stay and hand over only three more nights August 28. Very busy day handing over all rear work to relieving company. The attached infantry parties return to their units today. August 29. Company transport left at 10 a.m. for rest area. The sappers marched off at 1.30 p.m. Tonight is to be my last night in the line, I hope, for a fortnight at least. August 30. Oddly enough, my last night was one of the most eventful spent in the sector. It was a misty night, and I was crawling about with a relieving officer to show him Day's front line company headquarters when we were shelled fairly heavily. To avoid the disturbance, I made a detour of about a hundred yards and got completely lost. Eventually, we heard muffled voices behind us, and to my surprise, when I crawled back to investigate, I found a Hun machine gun post with about six men in it. 
we avoided this and eventually struck our own line about a quarter of a mile out of our course they handled us rather roughly in the trench as they believed us to be bosch particularly as my friend knew nothing about the line after sitting for twenty minutes with two bayonets in my ribs miller of the fusiliers came up and fortunately he knew me just managed to complete handing over before dawn and got back for breakfast with our reliefs left billets on horseback with dowsay as groom at eleven forty five passed through reserve billets and had an afternoon halt to water the horses in a charming meadow just beyond castle we reached the company about six p m at a small village outside st omer a very pleasant but a tiring ride day and i are living in a large white chateau steeped in romance from its turrets to its no doubt well-stocked cellars outside my bedroom window there is a balcony where i can sit in the evenings and watch the sun set beyond st omer if only i had my books i might recapture myself in a fortnight here september one quiet day with the usual inspections and cleaning parades in the evening major and i rode over to take dinner with the commander royal engineers information had just come through that our outposts are on the top of kimmel hill apparently the huns have retreated but it makes me damn wild to think that we should hold that blood-soaked line and wear down his resistance for other people to follow him up i would have sold my soul to see the old division go over camel and if anyone had the right it was we september two went into st omer with day and had tea at the club succeeded in obtaining some butter at fifteen francs per kilo verily the french are a hospitable people returned to the mess to find the rumor about kimmel is confirmed apparently the boche are evacuating forward positions with a view to consolidating their line for the winter this is all very cheerful and no doubt makes good reading in the clubs at home but unfortunately it necessitates our return to the line to-morrow our rest has therefore been a deal of extra trouble for nothing two days out of the line do one more harm than good transport and pontoons started on their return journey to-night september three entrained at eight fifteen a m and retrained at railhead about twelve noon marched forward past our old billets and eventually took over very comfortable billets from a company of american engineers the line seems to have gone far forward all the old gun positions are empty and the sausages are well in front of us now after all i think that the ability to park our transport in the open in full view of kemmel will do us more good than the rest could ever have done the shadow of that ghastly hill has been over us for so long that our relief at having regained it is out of all proportion to its practical value the effect on the men has been little short of miraculous and already they are joking about the possibilities of christmas at home or at the worst in berlin once more we look forward to the possibilities of a semi-victory and the dog-like fatalism which upheld us through the weary summer is gradually changing to something like hope and confidence in the future but we can never again go forward with the same fiery ardor and implicit faith in the justice of our cause which drove us onwards in the early days 
we have seen brave germans die with faith as great as ours and knowing their intelligence to be not less we must at least doubt the validity of our own first conclusions now we are infinitely wiser men growing sadder as the cold light of reason destroys our early phantoms of enthusiasm already the bones about the ways are far too numerous to justify the best of possible results and there will be more before the end but these reflections are morbid and unbecoming in a soldier to-morrow i must inspect rifles with enthusiasm september four day and i work all day on our dugout and in making a place where we can have a bath i shudder when i try to recall my last one september five up at two a m and working until ten with the whole company endeavoring to construct a road across a semi-dry lake it is obviously a staff project and would have been condemned by a first-year civil engineering student we cast our brick upon the waters in the vain hope that it will return after many days meanwhile the advance creeps forward across the swamps in front and shows signs of being bogged as the resistance stiffens yesterday our two line brigades had five hundred casualties and after gaining the summit of messinus ridge they had to fall back owing to lack of support thus it seems that we shall play the german game once more by following them into the worst of the mud for the winter god help us if we do the nineteen-year-olds will die like flies in a hard winter had my bath and feel like a new man september six dumped a few more tons of brick into the lake at least it is a peaceful job and keeps the men out of mischief played badminton and wrote letters the war seems to have fallen into abeyance september seven heavy gas shelling on the lake this morning robbed us of our constitutional and forced an early return after dinner we turned out with torches and heavy sticks to hunt rats round the dugouts there were no casualties among the rats but day sprained an ankle september eight still brick dumping although no progress is apparent as yet during the morning i walked across the dike to talk to the company working in the morass on the far side and sincerely wished i hadn't they had been finding bodies all morning not more than a month dead and just coming to the worst stages whilst i was there they picked up two kilted officers glorious big men they must have been but looking so childishly pathetic as they lay there unconsciously we all fell silent and i saw a dcm sergeant major with tears in his eyes hurriedly i turned away and walking back to the men thanked god that people at home can never even imagine the deaths their men are called upon to die we are going into the war again to-morrow the rains are with us september nine two sections moved into the forward billets at negro farm an appalling place consisting of two stinking dugouts under the ruins of the former homestead it beggars description but closely resembles that famous baron's father drawing we are staying at a farm it has poured all day and when we arrived about eleven this morning there wasn't shelter for a quarter of the men and none for the horses i explored two or three ruins in the neighborhood but they were all worse than our own midden so we had to make the best of it fortunately the cheerfulness of the men seems to increase with their misfortunes and they are now all under cover of some sort even the horses are more or less protected from the worst of the weather 
my home consists of three battered sheets of corrugated iron a wagon cover and the back of a hen shed reared miraculously against a bank of earth which is the mainstay of the edifice light from a candle and a port bottle no hot and cold or modern conveniences of any sort it is cold damp miserable and the headquarters of two sections royal engineers yet you wouldn't offer it to a tramp at home and a pig would scorn it great are the blessings of civilization i decided to keep one section in reserve so took number three up the line for night work arrived very late as all the tracks were knee-deep in slush and it was dark dark as the inside of an infidel we floundered around for several hours but it was quite impossible to do anything in the nature of serious work the line was new to us and the difficulty of finding the post was increased by persistent machine-gun fire and the most devilish weather imaginable the ground was in an awful state and it often took us twenty minutes to move a hundred yards the men swore sublimely and their humour was the only dryness in the night on the return journey we struck some unpleasant shell-fire and mud wallowed with enthusiasm browning anticipated the great war when he wrote will sprawl flat on his belly in the pit's much mire with elbows wide fists clenched to prop his chin and while he kicks both feet in the cool slush and feels about his spine small eft things coarse run in and out each arm and make him laugh twice we got lost in the woods and finally i had to give up all hope of finding the lake track we returned the long way but even so the tracks were knee-deep and i could feel the water trickling in over the tops of my field boots sometimes it would be such a relief if only one could cry the men had a drop of rum when we got back and it was about four a m when i crawled into my flea bag a family of beetles played come and sit on my chair across my toes and an old brown rat wanted to keep me company i turned him out three times but the poor devil was so persistent and so pathetic that finally i let him stop immediately i fell asleep he came and stroked my hair in gratitude and i misunderstanding his intentions turned him out for good and all but have you ever tried to sleep in your soaking wet clothes with your head two feet under a sheet of corrugated iron on which it is raining hard i tried but the rain and the beetles were against me i got up and the morning and the evening were the first day september ten still raining and we spent another awful night in the outpost line our own eighteen-pounders were shooting so short that some of the shells were actually falling behind us and once we had to lie on the boss side of the parapet to get cover from them the weather is our most dangerous foe now and all wiring etc is stopped until we can make some sort of protection for the line troops they are going down like flies there isn't a dugout worth the name in the whole sector and the water already a foot deep in the best posts is increasing hourly september eleventh another terrible night it is still raining and we have been soaked through now for four days and nights most of the companies are down to half strength and trench foot is very prevalent it is as much as most of the men can do to carry two sheets of iron per night for their own protection our own billets are flooded now and we are knee-deep in mud everywhere the horses feel it more than we do and i have had to send them back 
We had to shift our position every three or four hours to prevent them sinking, and it has been so bitterly cold there is no protection from this biting wind as it howls and shrieks across the swamps and mud fields. But one thinks of the line, for it is always the line, poor devils, who get it worst. They could tell Dante many things. There are men up there who have not been under a shelter of any description during a week of almost continuous rain. They have forgotten what it is to feel dry, and their minds are dull and stupid with the cold and the misery of it all. They have slept fitfully, wakening under the necessity of shifting their position to avoid the mud or when an unusually fierce downpour has stung their faces and during the whole of this time no warm food or drink has passed their lips. Small wonder that they die with gratitude. September 12. It is two feet deep on our best main road, and we had a wild night last night to get the necessary materiel up for the shelters. An unlucky shell killed two men, wounded three, and knocked out two mules. In spite of this, we did a good night's work and erected fourteen shelters. The men seem to realize how much depends on them, and I have seldom seen them work so well. September 13. Heavy shelling on roads and tracks disorganized all parties and interfered with work. I was hit in the middle of the back with a large fragment, which bruised me badly. If I stumbled and fell once last night, I fell twenty times. We used three-quarters of our strength in fighting through the mud, and the remaining quarter in actual work. We were so tired last night that I tried the short way back again through the woods. Once we stumbled on a colony of rats feeding on the sodden corpse of a Frenchman. I shuddered involuntarily as they scattered away, screaming, and then turned to watch us with beady, malevolent eyes. The last time I was home on leave, I remember my mother asked me why the trench rats were so big. I nearly told her, but then it occurred to me that I might be missing myself, and the thought would have driven her mad. So I said it was because of the food we used to throw over the top. God help the mothers who really know these things. Derry crocked up again yesterday and went to hospital. September 14. It is still raining, and we are still mudslinging. Would that I had the time to describe it all. My back was very sore today, and I could hardly raise my right arm on account of the smack I received last night. The morale of the men is very low again, but fortunately the weather prevents the Huns from doing anything but shell us. September 15. Signs of the weather improving at last, but mud is very plentiful, and we experience great difficulty in getting about. Artillery and machine guns were very active on both sides last night, and as we had unusually large parties out, I had a very worrying time. At one time, there were 150 men bunched together on the road for nearly an hour on account of brigade giving wrong orders. It was a great relief when we were able to move them, and no damage had been done. But a mistake like that frequently costs 20 lives, and no one is shot for it. About 2 a.m. I went out in front to reconnoiter a line for wire when I came across three dead Bosch in a shell hole. One was an enormously fat man, and as I was turning him over to cut off his shoulder numbers, he grunted fiercely like a man awakening from a heavy sleep. For a moment I was horrified and put my hand on my revolver and waited for perhaps half a minute, undecided what to do. 
Then I saw the truth. The noise which had startled me was due to the gases of decomposition being forced through his mouth when I turned him over. Another of the glories of war. End of Part 4